Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. <laughs> my dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) With the right tools, you can fix anything, including your marriage. Today, we're speaking with Beth Miller, who's a marriage coach. Beth, welcome. Yeah, I love connecting with other content creators and you have been on a lot of podcasts. Yes, I know. I've been very fortunate to make a lot of friends. That is so cool. What made you start wanting to do that? Just to like help other women, truly. I just want to like give the gift that I have to, not the gift, but like the amazing feeling I have if other women can have that every day. That's incredible. You know, I do think that you are a good guest and I also think that you're a good host. So what would you attribute that to? I have a teaching background. So I believe being a teacher puts me on stage a little bit to be an entertainer asking questions, speaking in front of groups, but then also the love of learning. So I want to share with others how to get this method and how to really live a life where you don't have to feel like angry, annoyed, upset all the time, where you can really just wake up happy. Did you ever feel angry and upset? Oh yeah, all the time. time. Yep, totally did. Yeah, I was like resentful. My husband, I felt like, I just felt like I was a pushover. I was always trying to please others. Yeah, no, I was emotionally exhausted and overwhelmed. Yeah, so I want to give people like a little bit of back background. And I wrote down a bunch of questions from the audience. So you are a marriage coach. Now you help others get rid of that resentment and anger. And you have unique ways of doing that with like hypnotherapy. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. I coined it hypno journeying. So it's a combination of the hypnosis piece where you get really relaxed and really can get into that subconscious mind. But the journey part is this like incredible guided journey, this meditation piece where I take you on an adventure into your mind, into your past, into times that were even like your inner child, where you may have been like just sitting at a kitchen table with your sister having a fight. And that all of a sudden comes back and you realize, you know what, I still have anger when people try to control me because my sister was getting mad at me for not eating broccoli. The silliest little things still loop back into our current relationships and wreak havoc on our relationships and in particular our marriages. Have you ever done that on a recording? Oh, yes. I have some recorded. I have one on my website that your listeners can listen to. You can download it. It's called The True You. It's amazing for just getting in touch with who that is. Like sometimes we have these versions of ourselves, but when we become married and moms and certain business owners or workers in the, in the, in life, we compromise a lot and we lose parts of ourselves because we keep compromising and we get to a point where we're like, who am I? And so if you do this true you, you can connect who, connect back to who you are and you'll go through some of those like kind of times of your life when you weren't totally authentic and you heal those aspects of yourself through this true you hypno journey that's on my website. Can we do a little of that right now? Sure, I can take you there. It's funny because a couple of things just came up for me and you just even describing that. So one was when I worked in television and I remember like, 
like I made this video of myself, like talking to myself in the mirror, like about how great I thought I looked at the time, which I was so superficial and wrapped up in appearances and, you know, was working in the talk show industry and thought I was so cool and wanted to be like the people I thought, you know, that were cool around me. And I remember looking back on that video like years after, and it was so cringe. I was like, ew, like, why was I acting like that? Honestly, it was probably completely out of insecurity. So that just came up. And then too, yeah, like one time when I was living in LA and my sister came out to like spend time with me, I was like a workaholic and she was an inconvenience to me. And I was like, what? You want to come stay with me and who I'm living with? And you want me to like drive you all around town? Like, how about ask what I've got going on? And we totally got into it. But again, I was like in selfish mode for many years. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many reasons we get really selfish self-absorbed. And then there's other times that we give up aspects of ourselves to please others. So being a human is fascinating. And when you can really get in touch with all those emotions, like understanding that, yeah, I'm super annoyed that my sister's coming to visit, or I really am jealous of others and want to be a celebrity too. Like when you can tap into every single emotion, that's when the magic happens and you can get back in alignment with who you are. Yeah. So what does that hypno journeying journey look like? Well, it would look like you closing your eyes. Like, do you okay. want me to spend a moment and do that with you? All right. Yeah. So close your eyes. I want you to take a deep breath into your nose and I want you to exhale out through your mouth. And as you breathe into your nose, I want you to feel that relaxation seep through every aspect of your body. And as you're breathing there, what I would do is I would relax you further. I may even take you down a set of stairs. Like I might be like, I'm going to put you at the top of the stairs. And as I count down from 10 to one, you'll then see yourself at the very bottom of the stairs, lying in a big cozy, fluffy bed with lots of blankets and pillows. So I would count you down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And all of a sudden you'll be super relaxed and you'll hop into this bed. And then I'll say, you know what? I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey. We're going to go back in time, a time in your life where you felt so jealous of someone. You felt envious of who they are, maybe their appearance or things they had. I want you to go there now. In your mind's eye, what do you see? Where are you? Who are you with? Did anything come up? Somebody I used to work for. No way. Okay. Do you want to share or do you have to keep this top secret? I probably would have to keep it top secret. All right. So what we would do then is we would go to that time, that time in your life, whatever you two were doing, and we would dig into what is it that you needed in that moment? Why were you feeling so jealous? Maybe it was feeling like you weren't getting the recognition you deserved. Maybe it was that you were looking for things in your life that really weren't obtainable. Like maybe you wanted status or money or a career that was making you feel jealous. So that's when we really start digging into that version of you and what was out of alignment. And then we reparent that person. So reparenting means we give you what you needed in that moment, what you needed to hear. Maybe you weren't told enough that you are awesome at what you're doing and you just really needed someone to tell you you're awesome. Yeah. Like I feel like social media is so hard on people today. Like, do you feel like that is destroying people's marriages? It can without boundaries. Absolutely. There's so many reasons why it can destroy marriages. Number one, you're not hanging out with your city of other, or if you are, you're not actually paying attention. You're just scrolling. Number two, if there has been any infidelity in the marriage and actually, even if there hasn't, but maybe you've been with someone that cheated on you in the past, you can be really suspicious of your partner and why, why are they maybe scrolling or are they talking to someone else? Like sometimes we get obsessive thoughts over what's our partner doing. Are they talking to someone else? Or if you see your partner, like another female or a male on on social media, you're like, why are they doing that? And that can make you upset too. So yeah, social media, you know what? It has boundaries in every aspect of our lives. Like, is it destroying society? We could have a debate about that, but it definitely has an impact on marriages. Yeah. I mean, have you seen that in your own marriage? Like, is it something you've had to put boundaries around? Well, with being like 
an online business owner, yeah, it's hard. Like I could be on 24 seven checking my Instagram or yeah, just messaging people for sure. Like answering my DMS. So I have to put really hard boundaries on. So when my kids get home from school, I try really hard to put my phone away until after they go to bed. And even I'm trying lately when I go to bed, I just, just go to bed. Like I put my kids to bed. I should be one hour off screens before I go to sleep. So I'm really trying to set hard boundaries, but sometimes I still go back to it because I know if I just do it like an hour of work, I won't have as much to do the next day, but it definitely takes a toll on my marriage when I don't connect with my husband, because I'm in my phone. He'll say like, get, you get your nose out of your phone. I'm like, you're right. And some people would be really triggered by that, but I have to own it and be like, you're right. No, I am spending too much time. Thank you for reminding me to shut it down instead of being offended, being like, what do you mean? I need to get off my phone. You're always on your phone and starting an argument. Yeah. Wow. I give it to you for turning it off that amount of hours a day. That is an amazing discipline. Yes, but trust me, I still fall off the wagon. And then I need to ask myself, why am I falling off the wagon? And it can be boundaries. Like there's so many reasons why we do what we do. But if it doesn't feel in alignment, it doesn't. I feel exhausted or I don't sleep as well if I'm doing work at night because then I start to think about it. Sometimes I even dream about it. So it's so important. I know myself and some other people are like, yeah, no, I don't mind. After I put the kids to bed, I'll work for an hour. But I know it's better for me to get some rest and just get up early, like get up at six and start my day earlier before the kids get up. Okay. So after you go down the stairs and you get in the cozy bed and you have these memories, then what? Well, we go to each memory and you really guide me. I'll give you different prompts. I'll be Mm. like, what are you feeling right now as you're with this? Let's make up a situation. I'll give you an example. So I had a client once she ended up regressing back. It's called like regression. So you like regress back in time to your inner child. So she regressed back to a time when she was about eight years old, a child of the eighties wearing a brown snowsuit. So a female wearing a brown snowsuit in the winter and she was being made fun of for her brown snowsuit. And that's what came up. We had, she had no real memory of this. It just all of a sudden like, oh yeah, I'm standing on a snow hill with a brown snowsuit and I'm being made fun of. And so we went back to this time and it's like, what do you need? Like we, we asked her and we actually bring in what's called your authentic self. So that's that like badass version of you that might be even like five years older than you are actually now. So we almost bring her, we bring that version of you into the scene within your mind. So you have the version of you with this brown snowsuit at the top of the hill being made fun of by kids. We bring this older, wiser, maybe like a 45 year old version of you into that same scene. And it's almost like that version of you is a parent and they're going to give you what you need. And it'd be like, you know what, Beth, it really sucks that those kids are making fun of you, but this isn't about you. This is about them. They're projecting whatever anger insecurities they have onto you. And then what we do is we, we see if that really sits, if that feels truthful, like, okay, you're right. Like, you know what they are, aren't actually making fun of me, but sometimes it's like, you know, they are making fun of me. I wish they would just be nice. And it's just like back and forth dialogue that you almost have with yourself until you figure out what is it that you needed in that moment? Was it love? Was it forgiveness? Was it acceptance? Was it to be seen, heard, to be just knowing that things had to be fair in that moment and could be fair. So there's so many reasons we feel like we've been wronged in our past and we can go back and just understand, you know what, this did happen. And I acknowledge that and I love you because of it. And what happens is when you can give yourself that love and acceptance from that kid that just was wearing a brown snowsuit, just doing her own thing. And all of a sudden she feels like people don't like her and they're judging her for her appearance. Often that same girl might have issues, self-esteem issues later on in life as a 40 year old. But when you can go back and kind of heal those traumas, even though it's just a little snowsuit example, you then start to step out into this amazing world as a 40 year old, as a confident woman, because you realize as that child that didn't feel confident, there was a reason it wasn't actually about you. It was other kids that were making fun of you. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, how many traumas do we need to write down before we... No, it's endless. But what happens is your mind will bring forth the biggest ones. Like the one that you just had with the coworker, that might be one of the major jealousy ones that you have, what I call it imprinted, where it's like stamped in your mind 
mind. Like it really sticks to you. And once you start to peel back some of those big ones of jealousy or the big ones of like low self-worth or confidence, you peel those back. Then a lot of times there's just minor ones in there and it's more like maintenance work. So it just takes a few bigger ones to kind of get out of the way. And then you really, you like it transforms into your today life. Like you go back and repair that little child of you. And all of a sudden you're like, I feel awesome. I feel lighter. I love myself more. My relationships are getting better because I'm stepping up as like a confident person. I don't need compliments from my husband all the time. I just know he loves me. I don't need him to say it. So that's an example of kind of where we go. So you're in the bed, then you turn into a child of some sort, or maybe a teenager, or maybe it's just like five years ago, you turn into that version of you, you give yourself what you need based on my prompts that I give you. And then what I'll do is I'll send you just to the future. And I'm like, then you kind of see yourself living out this life that you really want. And it just stays within you. It's like, we, we're really rewiring the brain is what we're doing. We're using neuroplasticity and psychology to really mess with your mind to like get rid of those thoughts that have been like keeping you stuck in unhealthy patterns for so long. Like I suck. I'm not good enough. I'm too old. No one loves me. I'm ugly. Whatever those thoughts are like, no one listens to me. You get rid of those thoughts. And all of a sudden you're like, I feel hurt. You know what? It's those people that are just blah, blah, blah. Like they're, they're busy at the moment. I need to get their attention differently if I want to be heard, but I know I'm worthy of being heard. Okay. So how did you go from being a teacher to this kind of work? I know at 39, you had something pretty life-changing happen to you. Is that when the shift was? Yeah, it totally was. So people say when you have a major life crisis, like a health issue, a death in the family, it kind of shakes you up. I would encourage everyone to do their little shake up before that happens. But that's what happened to me. I had a brain bleed at 39, perfectly healthy mom, three kids. Like they were ages four, six, and eight at the time. It's crazy. Over the course of five days, I lost my ability to walk. I, my husband and I are like, you need to go to physio. I didn't need to go to physio. I had to go to the ER. So I went to emerge and it was crazy. It was like Gray's anatomy. They're like, your brain's bleeding. And I'm like, am I going to live? It was wild. And what happened was I had to learn how to walk again, how to write again. And it flipped my world upside down. So that's what really kind of got me on this path to really rewiring my own brain just to learn how to walk. But it also rewired my brain in regards to fixing my relationships and healing all my the stuff within me that made me feel like I wasn't good enough. So that's how I started this process. But I would tell all your listeners, get on this journey before a life crisis, like life crisis happens. I want to talk more about that life crisis. I heard you say on another podcast that you were in the hospital for a month. Yeah. Like you had three young children. I want to know what surfaced for you during that time. Oh, it was horrible. It was a low, 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 low. Like I ended up getting de- like diagnosed with severe anxiety, moderate depression. I was a puddle. I cried every day. The nursing staff was amazing. Like I was the youngest person on the floor because it's called a stroke. Like when you have blood in the brain, it's called a stroke. And I was the youngest one on the floor. I was hanging out with all the grandpas and grandmas. I was making great friends with like 70 year olds. And so I think the staff there really, they took us a, a liking to me as they knew I had family at home and it was tough. It really was. But I can look back. It's crazy to say this, but I can look back and see it as a gift. It gave me the opportunity to slow right down. I couldn't do anything for myself. Like I couldn't, when I got home, even I couldn't even walk down the stairs. My husband had to like help me down the stairs. I had a bed on the main floor. It was wild, but I can look and see it as a gift because it really just, I couldn't do anything. So because I couldn't do anything, I had to really reevaluate my life and figure out who I really am. I like lost my identity. I'm like, I'm not a runner anymore. I'm not teaching anymore. I can barely even be a mom because I can't do much. So it was a wild experience. Oh my God. God. And I actually, I had another guest on the show that 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 happened to her at 19. And did you have to have any sort of surgery? No, I haven't had to have surgery. It's still there. It's called a cavernomous malformation. So it's this little raspberry on my brain and they're just monitoring it for now. So if I don't have to have the surgery, I'm going to stay away. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Did it affect your memory at all? 
No, it didn't. Impacted like my ability to like handle things, like multitask. Multitask, I get overwhelmed really easily, but a lot of it I've been able to train myself again to do through therapy. Amazing. Oh my God. I just cannot imagine that with three young children. I mean, I think that would make anyone anxious or depressed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I started this journey was because I just felt so sad all the time. Like I just kept thinking, I kept hearing these little messages. There's something deeper within you. Cause I would see my psychologist and she was amazing. But I remember the last day I saw her, I was crying. I'm like, there's gotta be more. I can't keep talking back to my thoughts being like, you are safe. It's okay. And breathe. I was breathing all day long. I'm like, this isn't working. So I really went on a journey to figure out some other modalities. And I stumbled across a few, one was shamanism and one was hypnosis. And I've combined those along with taking my own training since. So I've created my own method that has helped so many women and helped myself as well. Yeah. Let's talk about that method. All right. So the method really is rooted in that hypno journey. Those deep meditations is what I call them. They've been coined by someone as meditations on steroids. They're just so profound. Like you'll go into them and all of a sudden you're crying because you're just releasing all this stuff. You're like, I didn't even know that was there. So it's just this really powerful way to get really calm and just quiet those thoughts from the day. The ones that are talking about the laundry and what you're going to make for dinner and the work tasks you have to do. It quiets that conscious mind, the one that's always planning, doing and analyzing. And it gets into the subconscious mind where we store every single thought, every single memory. When we can do that, that's when we can figure out what's really going on under the surface. What's causing me to feel resentful in my marriage? What's causing me to feel exhausted at work? What's causing me to feel like I have to yell at my kids? So when we can get to the bottom of that, that's when like true happiness can actually come. Do you feel like you got to the bottom of that in your own relationship? Yeah. You know what? I'm close. I'm, I have moments. I've discovered that when I'm exhausted, like when I'm tired, that's when like my husband calls it old Beth. He's like, old Beth's coming out. It's like, okay, thank you for the reality check. But yeah, when I'm tired, I don't feel like I can handle my triggers as well. And I call triggers anytime like someone's words or actions provoke an unwanted emotion within you, whether it's sadness, anger, embarrassment, shame, guilt, frustration, annoyance. So when I feel triggered, that's when emotion comes up like that. And then I might get a little short and snappy. So yeah, when I'm tired, that's when that happens. So I'm not quite at the bliss stage yet. I'm not a monk totally at this point, but I'm I'm striving for that every day. I would love to be there where I just can let life be. And of course you can feel your emotions, but you're just such awareness that you can let it go. Do you really believe there are people in relationships that have the monk-like state? You know what? Maybe not the monk-like state exactly, but where they can really like cohabitate and be so happy together and just have this like open, honest communication. And when they are feeling a certain way, just be able to talk about it. And then, okay, I feel better. I've been heard. I'm good. So I think it does exist. Absolutely. But when you look at stats, only 20% of marriages are truly happy. The other 80% fluctuate on some scale of like horrible, get me out of this marriage to like things aren't great. So 20% of marriages are happy. So maybe they're in that bliss, like monk state. 20%. That's crazy. And truthfully, I, I believe that like how many marriages did you see growing up or even now that are happy that you would want to model? Yeah. You know what? I don't think I really understood marriages as a kid. I just saw parents and yeah, I remember once as a kid seeing like at a barbecue, a mom and a dad argue and like the dad snapped at the mom and said, where's the empty plate? And it was just one statement, like, where's the empty plate? But to me, it was like, Ooh, I could hear the tone. I could see the body language. I could see the mom cringe and there was energy in the air that you could cut. It was thick. And so I think it was that moment that I really realized like, okay, yeah, not everyone gets along. My parents didn't argue. They got along quite well from what we saw, but 
I didn't also see them like communicate a ton either. Like there was no conflict, healthy conflict resolution because there was no conflict. So when I got into my marriage with my husband, anytime he would like want to have a debate, I'd like go into a shell because I was like, I didn't know how to have conflict in our marriage healthily, like healthily, that's not even a word, have healthy conflict within our marriage. And do you feel like you've learned that now? For sure. 100%. And he's been part of that journey for me because I, it's all about triggers. The foundation of this is that if you want to start this work, it's to be, to be aware of every time you feel that feeling that you don't want to feel that annoyed, the anger, the sadness. So when he would say things to me, I just had to become aware. What am I feeling right now? Okay. I'm feeling really mad at you for saying I spent too much money at Costco. I know I spent $500 at Costco. Our budget was 400 for the week. And I'm feeling really mad because I'm feeling unappreciated that I did all this work to go to Costco and you're mad about a hundred dollars. And so I need to own that, that anger and realize, you know what? He's just projecting his own money mindset. I mean, actually like my husband's fine, but he spends more money than I do. I'm the one who's probably going to be the one saying you spend a hundred dollars extra, but I mean, I do that. Oh, I know who does it. Costco, you put every, every item's like $10 in the cart at least, but where I'm going Groceries have gone up. Everything has gone up. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. I have three boys and I feel like we're, we're, they're young and we're just at some point, we're going to be spending like two mortgages a month just on groceries by the time they're teenagers, like well into teenage years. Yeah. Would you say that finance is like the biggest point of contention? Finances and infidelity. Those would be two of the big, big marriage okay. issues. Trust. Let's speak Trust. to infidelity. Have you helped people work through that? Yeah, absolutely. So I work with women. I don't work with their husbands. I have worked with some husbands like one-on-one. But in my programs, I work with women and yeah, absolutely. I'd say probably a third of my practice is infidelity. So they come in and what happens is I don't guarantee that I'm going to save their marriage, but often it does, but sometimes it doesn't. So what happens in that process is they get to a place where they can learn to trust their intuition because what happens when there's infidelity, when there's been some sort of cheating, whether it's emotional or physical by the other partner, it destroys women in regards to their self-esteem and their ability to trust their gut because often they knew something was up, but their partner kept saying, no, no, nothing's going on. Yet all of a sudden their spidey senses, that intuition was like, something's not right, but it kept getting squashed. So what happens is your intuition, that little voice inside you starts to question everything being like, is this actually happening? Is it not? He's saying it's not happening. So what I do with them is I get them to a place where we can reconnect with your intuition where you're like, okay, I can trust that little voice within me, my gut reaction. And then we build back up their self-esteem and their self-worth and they get to a place where they can trust themselves again. And if their husbands are crossing boundaries, we then set really hard boundaries being like, if they're on their phone and they haven't given up their password or something like this is a boundary and my spidey senses are telling me that I need that password. And if you're not going to give that to me, that's a boundary in this relationship can't continue on the healing path. It is. So they get a couple like really strict foundational principles in like trusting your intuition, setting hard boundaries, building your own self-love. And when they have those three to stand on, they can often save the marriage or they get to this beautiful place where they're like, peace out. I'm, I'm done. You know what? This, I can't do this anymore. So, but regardless, they end up in a better place. What are the differences between people who can make it work and who can't? You know what? It's people that want to put in the effort. Like this isn't easy work. Like you have to go back to that child that was wearing a brown snowsuit. And it's not like you're going to relive that experience or you go back to your past where you had to have some uncomfortable fights with friends or maybe you're bullied. You're not reliving that time. You're going to look at it with empowerment, but you still have to go there and you do have to process those emotions. So there may be tears that 
come, you may feel like kind of floods of anger. By the time you're done every kind of meditation, you're in a happier place. Like you feel good. You feel lighter. It's almost like this backpack lifts off your shoulders, but it's not easy. You have to schedule like the half hour every day, not every day, like even three times a week, you have to schedule that time. So those that don't want to do that work, aren't going to get this incredible feeling within their marriage. So yeah, marriage is work. So whether you're doing something with me or doing it with someone else, like you have to commit to changing your mind. If you're not going to work on kind of rewiring your thoughts within your mind, it's going to be really, really difficult. Like my husband and I went to counseling years ago. I remember we'd come home with homework and we'd do it for a week and things were great. And then we'd fall off the wagon. It was because we weren't actually changing our, our neuro, like our physiology, the physical aspects of our brain. Like we weren't really changing those neural pathways that are saying, I am upset with you because I don't feel heard. Like we would all of a sudden just go back into fight mode because things weren't changing. We weren't owning our own stuff. And so much about this is owning your own childhood ingrained beliefs. Yeah. How much of you and your partner's childhood comes into parenting, comes into the relationship, comes into the expectations of the relationship? Like all of it, everything comes in. You bring your whole past in with you. And so if you haven't healed from your past, if there's any kind of wounds still hanging out there, it's coming in with you. That's why it's so important that you, I always say like to the women I work with, like stay in your marriage until you feel like you're whole again. Do you feel like you're completely aligned with who you are? Of course, if there's addictions, abuse, if there's some reason really to leave, leave. But if you can stay there, because your husband is the most incredible teacher to you right now, because every time you feel triggered, that's like this massive clue to celebrate. Yeah, I'm triggered. I feel angry. Let me figure out what this is all about. What's the root down there. And when I can figure out the root, then I become more holy and I come more in alignment with who I am. And then if I do leave the marriage, I won't carry that baggage into my next marriage. Okay. So when you feel triggered, what do you do? You celebrate. Well, you may not celebrate in that moment, but really it's like, you know what? It's your like, you're like, I feel annoyed with you. You just spent $600 at the grocery, then what? You're like, okay, this is good because now I'm seeing I'm annoyed, not because you actually did that, but because I feel like we don't have enough money. And when you don't list or I don't feel respected by you, because I said, we're supposed to stick to this budget. And I feel like you're doing what you want. So I feel out of control. So it's really about you. Like, what do I feel in this? I feel, and you don't necessarily have to say that to them right away, but you own it and be like, okay, I understood that you did this. Like maybe it's crossing a financial boundary within your marriage, but you need to figure out what it is you need to do. Like if this is a problem that happens all the time, then yeah, set a boundary. But if it's a one time, like, why am I so upset about a hundred dollars? If it really just is that it's like my scarcity mindset that we never have enough money in the bank, even though there might be enough money in the bank, or it could be a control thing. So looking back on your childhood, why did I feel like I had to control everything around me? That is interesting. Okay. I like that. And then once you've identified, how can you start to heal that? Okay. So you identify every emotion that comes up. Then what we have to do is figure out how it's linked to your inner child. So you can do these like kind of deep meditations, or you could just meditate too on it and just be like, why am I so upset? I would love to know some of your prompts. The prompts really is like, and also the homework you got from going to therapy with your husband. It was good. We were okay. We're really good with counselors. Counselors love us because we can talk the talk. We're like, yeah, we, my husband's so good at talking about what he feels. So we would tell each other or tell each other and our therapist, how we felt. And we'd be like, yeah, we'll try using a code word, like blue dingo when I'm feeling really upset. So, you know, that's my code word and I need to be left alone. Or I feel really upset right now when you say you won't help me with the garbage. Like we'll do those statements 
sometimes for like a week or two. And then we just fall off the wagon because they're not natural. It's not how I really want to act. And you can keep doing it. Yes, we could keep doing it over and over and over for like a course of a year and really probably solidify that behavior within our mind. But it takes a long time to reprogram your mind. So I find the easiest way to do it is really just to get into a really relaxed state, figure out what's the resistance. Like, why am I feeling so angry at him when he leaves the crumbs on the counter? And I've had to tell him for the hundredth time, can you please wipe up the crumbs on the counter? The reason I feel so angry is maybe because as a kid, I was responsible for all my siblings. If I was the oldest kid and I feel like I was always cleaning up after them. And I have so much resentment because that's what I did my whole life. And now I have a husband who's also doing it. But if you can go back and realize, you know what? My parents were very busy. They gave me all this responsibility, but I didn't really have to take it all on. I took it on myself. You can go back and reparent yourself as a child and you show up in your marriage and realize, you know what? It's not my job to care about the crumbs. I'll ask him. And you know what? If it's really that important to me, this is one thing that maybe I'll just keep wiping up the crumbs. But if there's other hard boundaries, such as like socks on the floor, I'll just really ask him to clean those up. Like, it's really about figuring out what is a control issue that's a problem, or if it's just like a hard boundary being like, I need this done so I can be happy in this household. Have you dealt with people that really need hard boundaries, like abuse? You know what, often if they are in a situation like that, I'll work with them one-on-one, but with a counselor as well, like a a psychologist as well. So I will deal with abuse on my own. I'll work with a counselor on that one, just because there's some really, really deep issues in there. Plus, if it's abuse within their marriage, I always recommend that that's a time to seek, like seek a lawyer, look at your other options, right? And look for something that's safe. You don't want to stay in a marriage in that moment that's abusive. Interesting. Yeah. Can you talk about how this affects your parents? parenting. Oh, it makes you such a good parent. You don't feel so grouchy at your kids anymore. Honestly, I am way better mom when I am in this space. Absolutely. Because my kids will even point it out to me now. They're like, mom, you're projecting your anger onto me. I was like, oh, you're right. Like they know that other people's emotions are other people's emotions and they're not theirs. Like, and even if they get mad at me, I'm like, those are your emotions. So like they are picking up on this too. Like they know that every emotion within them is not caused by someone else, that they've brought it on themselves. So I think me as a mom, like we can talk about feelings more. So they have the emotional intelligence to be able to communicate how they feel. They know that those feelings of anger are caused by them and they know how to articulate what they need more and they don't take on the energy of others. They don't take things as personal because they realize that's me just being a grouchy mom. And obviously maybe I'm mad because my, my computer ran out of batteries and all of a sudden I'm so upset and I slam it down. And then I get mad at them for not putting their shoes in the closet, but I'm not mad about the shoes. I'm actually mad about the computer that the battery ran out and they see that I'm mad about that. Whoa. It sounds like you're raising some smart kids. Yeah. You know what? We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I'm interested to see what kind of marriages they end up in relationships. Like, cause a lot of times when you have modeled healthy relationships, you're more likely to create those as well. There's a thing called daddy issues. I don't know. Ooh, let's talk about issues. that. You're on you the right show. Okay. Maybe that'll be my question for daddy, but yeah, like what they say is for women, like daddy issues are often when you can go back to your childhood and maybe you weren't loved, supported by your father as much as you needed, we then often seek out partners in romantic relationships that have similar characteristics to our fathers so that it sounds really creepy, but it's not like we can almost like kind of relive out what we needed as a child, like where we can feel loved and support. It's like almost like you're going to do a redo. So we often pick partners that are very similar, which can kind of relate back to these daddy issues of not feeling as loved or supported, like the love that you needed as a child. 
That is so interesting. Have you studied that? Yeah, I have. So what it is, is when you can go back in your childhood, of course, and realize that your dad was awesome, like, or your dad was doing the best he could with what he knew. Yes, maybe he was really strict. Maybe he didn't give you the love, cuddles, kisses that you needed, but he was there and he was proud of you. But what you really needed was someone just to pick you up and say, you're amazing. I love you. You're beautiful. But you didn't get that. Then you sometimes internalize that as nobody loves me or I'm not beautiful or like my dad's just too busy for me. And then that you carry that into your future relationship where maybe you're seeking out a partner who's going to tell you you're beautiful because your dad never did, even though maybe he loved, like not maybe he did love you, or you might seek out a partner that's really maybe even emotionally unavailable because you want to try and make, get, crack that nut and see if they can make them more emotionally available for you. It's all done subconsciously. Whoa. So now I want to know if you have thought about this and the relationships that you yourself have chosen. Oh, for sure. My husband and my dad are so similar. Absolutely. Like they both talk a lot. They have strong opinions. Opinions. Yeah, they definitely are very similar that way too. So it's been really interesting. They get along really well too. So it has been interesting from my perspective to see maybe why I picked my husband. I think it flips too. I haven't done a ton of research on the mommy issue thing, but I am also very similar to my husband's mom. So I have to do some research on that one. Okay. So now I'm also interested too in how you met your husband. And I mean, I just, I feel like what you look for in a partner changes depending on at what age you meet them. Oh, for sure. And you know what, this is really plays into it as well. We met as teenagers, we met in high school. So I think that plays into it too. Cause like we always said, like, I wonder like, as we get older, if we still would have found each other the way we did or picked each other. Exactly. Cause often we pick like when we're teenagers, often we're, we don't feel whole. We're picking people that kind of match our energetic vibration of maybe feeling broken or feeling like life sucks, or maybe feels like life's amazing. And you're an athlete and I want to date you because of that. Like, it's amazing how you pick your partners in your younger years. Cause you're just still figuring yourself out in your identity. Whoa. So how old were you when you got married? Well, we got married later. Like I was 20, how old was I? Oh, 28. I was 28 when I got married. So we dated for 11 years before we no got married. No way. Yeah. We were on and off a little bit. Like we didn't, we weren't together the whole time, but we did check out, like we split up twice in that period just to, we were so young when we met. So we took a bit of a break, but we found each other back. Like we just, he was my best friend. Couldn't oh, live that's so him. cool. Interesting. I mean, I would love for you to talk about like how you guys met and how that evolved. Yeah. So we met in high school. We rode the same bus. I know crazy, but I didn't actually know he was on my bus. I was a year older. So I was dating a younger man. That was hard for me though, as a, like a teenager in high school dating a younger, like he was younger than me. And so I felt like people were like, why is she dating a younger man? She's robbing the cradle. So I had my own hangups about dating a younger man in high school. Like nowadays, like if you were to date a young, like when you're in your thirties and forties, if you date a younger man, who cares? It's like a year, but in high school, that's like social suicide. Like it's a tough thing to do. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. How did that happen? We just, we met, like we met on, it was a party we met at and he was just so sweet. He always acted older and hung out with older people. I always felt like I was intimidated by older men too. Like I was like a, I was shy. I was super shy. So I think I gravitated to him because he was younger and he was good with older people. So I think that's one reason we were kind of attracted to each other because I didn't feel confident enough maybe to talk to older men or boys at that age. I also find, and and this could just be my own experience, but you know, I've had friends that dated people for a decade and then didn't get married. So I don't know if you yourself have come into that as well, but when you actually get married, can you talk about what changes there? Oh yeah. No, it was tough for us when we first got married. Absolutely. Like we built a house together, which was kind of like pre-marital, like 
I guess, counseling a little bit, like just navigating building a house together. So and we did that with my dad too. Like it was my dad and us, like we were the contractors, like hiring people, doing some of the work in the house, but that went really well. But once we had my son, when he was born, that's when things got really tough. And I look back, it was me. It was my issue. All of a sudden, like my life was flipped upside down as a new mom. I didn't, oh, I was exhausted. I remember like breast milk was leaking everywhere. My clothes, I barf all over me. Like I was just a mess. And oh, I was just so I resentful. that. Oh, Oh my God, so much. And I actually like had my first one at 28. So yeah, I can totally relate to being overtaken by motherhood. Okay. Keep going. Oh my God. Totally overtaken. And that's when I started to lose my identity. Like, like I didn't really lose my identity, but I did. I stopped playing. I was a soccer player. I stopped playing soccer. I didn't see my friends as much. I was like, had a baby attached to me. He wouldn't take a bottle. So I was like, had to be home every two hours. So it was tough. It was really tough, but he would go out golfing for six hours. I just felt so resentful of him because I'm doing so much work and you get to enjoy your regular life but I wasn't able to articulate it in a kind way I was just angry I was mad and I was tired and hormonal and it was tough it was tough on our marriage and that's why we sought out counseling within that first year oh my god how smart of you and I can just relate to everything that you just said and I feel like you know I have friends even now that are becoming moms later in their 40s and they're like ah any advice that you would give and my advice always is get a freaking babysitter early early Like I did not get a babysitter for like my first 18 months. And boy, did I need one from the beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you need help. And especially if you have no one around like parents close by, you need to find someone. I know so often as moms, we don't want to give up our babies too. And that's part of it too. Like we just don't have that confidence in others. So there's so much actually work that can be done just as a new mom, like all exploring all those emotions that you're feeling at that time and just understanding what's the root of these. Like, why do I feel like, cause sometimes too, if I, my husband, I didn't almost want to give it, a, give my son away to him because I'd feel guilty. I'd have mom guilt that all of a sudden would come in like, okay, I'm going away for when he was like eating solids, I'm going away for the day. I felt like like riddled with guilt. And so where's that coming from? Obviously he wasn't making me feel that way, but part of me was feeling like as a mom, I should be here for you. So it's really interesting to really dive into why we feel the way we do as new moms. Why did you feel that way? The guilt. I was a guilty kid. I felt guilty about everything. When I look back, if after this podcast, you're like, oh, you know what? The sound wasn't that great. I'd feel so guilty. I'd be like, it's all my fault. And I take that ownership on as like old version of me. I just thought that when things weren't going right for other people, it was my fault. Like I played a part in that somehow. And then I'd feel bad. Yeah. Guilt's a bad emotion to carry around. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I feel like a lot of women feel that like a lot of women beat themselves up over every little thing. Yeah. A lot of times it comes from people pleasing. Like when we want to make other people, people pleasing is actually a form of manipulation because you want people to like you. We usually flip it the other way being like, I just want other people to be happy. Sure. I'll sacrifice this little bit of myself and my time or my money to help you. But really you're doing that because you want to make them happy, which is then you want them to like you. Like there can be a twist of manipulation in there that we never, like we don't really see it on that level, but it's there subconsciously. You want them to like you. That's why you're sacrificing part of yourself and those people pleasing behaviors. Have you had boundary issues? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's why I feel guilty. That's why people please. That's why I have low confidence. I just, I'll take in anyone and I'll help anyone. Like that's kind of how I felt as a kid. How hard is that though, as a business owner? Yeah. You know what? It's way better. I don't think I could do what I do. If I still had those, those feelings, I would be crushed by social media. People would, I probably wouldn't even be able to post on social media because I'd be so worried about what other people would think about me. And if I'd offend anyone, how have you gotten over that though? Through my hypno journeying through just really becoming aware of every emotion. So even sometimes still, if I post, 
most, if I'm feeling like, oh, is the message right? I'll really sit with it and just be like, why am I feeling this way? Am I feeling insecure that I'm going to offend someone? Because I talk about divorces and marriages, which are very sensitive topics and, or maybe it doesn't feel in alignment with me. Maybe. So I try to figure out why I'm feeling the way it is. And if it's just that I'm out of alignment, you know what? It doesn't align with my brand. It's not a message I really want to put out there. Then I'll just get rid of it. But if it's really that there's like a fear that someone might judge me, I'll be like, no, that's not the reason. Let's dig into that. Why are you worried about what other people think? Because you can't please everyone. And that's what I used to think I could do. I could make everyone happy. I was like a peacekeeper. Interesting. Okay. I want to go to a couple questions from the audience because I know we're coming up on the hour. Let's see here. Oswald Perez wanted to know, how can you tell if a marriage will last? Okay. So we got to take a step back. I guess, why is the marriage not lasting? Like, is it more just watching the two people get married and wondering if it'll last? Or is it like the marriage is happening? I'll take it from the standpoint of right now to say you've been married 10 years. Will it last? I guess what's going on in the marriage? Is there, what are the feelings that are happening? Is there communication happening? Is there anger? Is there a resentment? If that's the case, are those two people willing to do some work? And it doesn't even have to be both. One can do the work. One can start to become aware of all their emotions and start really digging into the reasons they're there and reprogramming them. And once they do that, what happens is all of a sudden the communication within the marriage completely changes. All of a sudden, I'm not fighting with my partner about money. I'm not worried about the crumbs on the counter. I don't care if the socks are left on the floor. I don't worry about that stuff anymore or get upset about it anymore. And so all of a sudden we're not arguing anymore. There's no resentment. And even though my partner may be angry here or there about maybe spending money or like the car needs an oil change and it's not done on time, they might be angry, but I'm not reacting to that anymore. And so what happens is eventually the other partner will eventually kind of upgrade with you. They'll take on a similar vibe and the arguments will start to simmer for them too, because they then all of a sudden feel more safe in the home. They feel safer to express their opinions because they know they're not going to be judged. They don't feel like they're going to be negged so they can say what they really want to say. And so over time, even though one person's done the work, the other one often comes up with them and creates a beautiful marriage. That's cool. So it's kind of like mirroring. They mirror your behavior when you upgrade, they upgrade. You said it right there. Okay. I like that. Okay. Tim Bysegal asked, how do you encourage people to work through their problems instead of walking away from them? Yeah, you got to face them head on. I would start individual. I really do with all couples. I say it starts with individual work. What are you feeling? It's all about feelings. What are you feeling and why? Why is it there? Not what did they do to you, but what has happened to you in the past that you, when have you felt this before? And that's where you really start the reprogramming of it and trying to figure out, or just get a pen and paper and you can journal it out too. I feel so angry at my spouse because of this, 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 this. I feel so angry because of this. And then you go into them all like, why, why do I feel like this? And play the why game, like three levels deep. So in example would be like, why am I upset that my husband's lying on the couch after work? Because there's things to do. Why am I upset that there's things to do and he's not doing them? Because he looks lazy. Why am I upset that he looks lazy? Because lazy people don't get anything accomplished. And maybe that's the belief I had as a kid or something, or even that was instilled with me that you got to get things done all the time. You don't sit around and relax. How often do your parents' relationships come up in you having these thoughts? Oh my gosh, all the time. But you don't need to remember your childhood to be able to do this work. It's funny how your your mind will just bring it up. And even if the images or memories aren't terribly clear, you'll have these little senses that these things happened as a kid. So yeah, we're always kind of talking about our past being like, oh, that happened. And that's why I feel this way. Or that contributed to this feeling, that memory. Have you worked through some of those feelings with your parents as well? A little bit. Yeah. Not everything. Cause you know, you got to just be aware of where your parents are at. And if they 
want to go on this journey because it can be a lot of fun to like dive into all this stuff. But if they're not there, so I have done a bunch with my mom, not so much my dad. Oh my God. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, just things I did as a kid, like decisions I made as a teenager, just feeling embarrassed about them, like rebringing them up with my mom and just being like, was I as awful? Like, cause I thought I was just, I look back with such shame and guilt for like the shenanigans I did as a kid. So sometimes just bad teenager decisions, like staying out too late or drinking and stuff like that, that I probably things that teenagers do, maybe not all, but some, and just being like, mom, like, I just feel so guilty for guilt. See, there it comes up guilt for doing that stuff. And like just having those conversations again, like reopening it is so healing to talk to your parents and having those open relationships, even if you didn't have them, but you got to do it with awareness. Like, is it going to re-traumatize your parents or is it going to like make them more upset too? Cause you don't want to do this and make them upset. But sometimes you do have to have some difficult conversations with them that can be so healing. Absolutely. Have you had some difficult ones that have been healing? Yeah, absolutely. A lot. You know what? This is a whole another side story, but my mom had a heart transplant a year after I had my stroke. It was a wild year. And so I went in with a list of about 50 questions for my mom because we weren't sure if she's going to live through the transplant. So I went in and I, we cried a lot. I asked 50 questions to my mom that I wanted to ask in case she didn't make it through the transplant. It's like things I wanted to know. And some of it was as simple as like, tell me your story as a kid. Like, what were you like from ages like five to 10? But then there's some other hard ones where I was like, were you proud of me for doing this as a kid or like, like can we talk about when I was bullied as a child in grade two like just bringing up stuff that I wanted to know about I love that and I feel like in today's day and age like with the technology that we have I mean this that is part of why I'm doing the podcast with my dad I want to know his opinions on all of these different subject matters that I'm bringing into his world and like while he's still fresh and while he's still like you know able to give creative responses I am capturing that I mean how amazing that you thought to do that. Whoa. Yeah. Did you get some unexpected responses? Oh my gosh. There was tears. There was laughter. Like my mom told me a funny story, how she like slept. Her dad passed away when she was young and she slept with her mom for like, I can't remember how many years after. It's not really funny, but when we got talking about it, we're like, that's ridiculous that she slept with her mom for so many years after he passed. But then she got talking about when she was five years old, she was still in a crib because she had to share a double bed with her mom or with her sister. And she's like, I didn't want to share a double bed with my sister. So I slept in the crib till age five. And we just laughed because we're like, that's ridiculous that a five-year-old still in a crib. But at that time, it just seemed normal for her because she's like, I don't want to sleep in a double bed with my sister. I want to be on my own. And she's very independent, like doesn't want to be in other people's space. So it totally makes sense that she's the same person she was as a kid. She needed to hypno journey that. Yeah. No crib. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. What a year that must've honestly been like kind of in some ways though, nice that you all were both having health issues at the same time. I would feel like it almost became comical. Like all you could do is laugh like things. Like, it's not inappropriate laughter, but just like, can this really be happening? This is ridiculous, but it was nice. It was nice to be able to, I could really empathize with what she was going through. And I think she could with me as well. I mean, if you don't laugh about this pandemic, you'll cry too, right? Like you got to find some humor in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Okay. The last question is, how do you know when is the right time to get married? Ooh. Okay. Do you feel whole? would be my question. Are you going in it because he's your better half or she's your better half and you complete each other? Or are you already whole going into the marriage? Because don't you believe that you will be more successful in the beginning if you are in a good place with yourself? 
For sure. Yeah. You want to go in feeling like he's not your better half or she's not your better half. Like you need, there's compliments. Yes. You can maybe your partner's really good at, I don't know, fixing things and you're really good at organizing things. Those are compliments. But if there's parts of you, like you're relying on your partner, you feel like, you know what, they really make me feel loved or they really make me feel secure. You should have that security and that love within your heart before you go in it and really, really feel that you don't need that from someone else. My little guy just came up here to say, hi, you want to say hi, Vinny? Oh my gosh. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would want to cover? I don't think so. I think we covered it all. The one would be like, maybe how do you step into like your true authentic you in your marriage? Like how to really be that person that like that, that person that knows who they are in their marriage. All right, let's go. If there. you, want, how, to, if you yeah. want to bring that up. Yeah. I would love to know how you can, can be the best person in your marriage. And the best way to really do that is to connect with who is your authentic you. And I say authentic you and you're like, what does that even mean? It's like that version of you. I like to call it like the badass version of you, like the version of you that's unstoppable, who feels so good. No one can knock her down. And so to find that version, there's two ways. First, to go back in time to a time where you just felt on top of the world. You may have been going out for the night and your dress that you were wearing looked amazing. Or maybe you're in a sporting event or singing on stage and it was just nothing else mattered in the world. You just felt so good. So you can go back to that time and just really like harness that energy. Just feel like you feel yourself. If you go back to that time, you're like, you feel your body shift and that's who you want to bring into your marriage. Or if you never had a time like that, where you really felt so authentic and so aligned, you can make her up. You can go into the future and just picture yourself like five years from now, like who would I be? Who do I want to be? And you just bring that into your heart. Like you really feel it. Like you feel what you look like. You feel how you act. You feel like you feel what it's like to have the job you really want and to have the family who interacts the way they want. And you feel that energy and you just like, you build it up in your heart till it like buzzes and you start living from that place. And when you can connect with that place, you know, it's possible because you wouldn't have that feeling within you if it wasn't possible. Everything we want is already within us. It 100% is. You just got to get these blocks out of the way. And a lot of those blocks are those feelings and those feelings are rooted in something. And once those are gone, that's how you unleash and manifest everything you want. That is so good. When do you feel your most authentic you? Yeah, it would have been in university. I played field hockey for the university I went to and just some of those games where you just go in so confident. I loved what I did. I loved the people I was hanging out with and it just felt amazing. So I can harness that version of myself. Plus I was really fit. So like on the external, like I felt really good too. So that version of myself, I can really bring in, but I also bring in my future version. So it depends what's going on. Sometimes I'll harness that version of me that I'm becoming right now. The one that's like unapologetic, who's confident, who only says things that really feel like me and doesn't blame anyone. I own it all. And if I do blame, I realize I blame and I was like, okay, you're right. I'm judging others or I'm judging myself. That is so good. Is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? Yes. Okay. So the question I was going to ask was, I want to know his biggest tips for couples who are struggling within their marriage. Ooh, I like that. That's a great one. And the other one was the daddy issues. I want to know what his thoughts are on daddy issues. Are daddy issues a thing? And how do you have daddy issues? Why do you have daddy issues? Great questions. I love that you thought about that. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Okay. Now is your time to promote away everything you've got going on, how to connect with you, all the goods. Oh, this has been so much fun. But if anyone wants to connect with me, I have this great guide. It's called Three Ways to Save Your Marriage. So you can go to www.3marriageguide.com and pick up your guide. Or you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm sure you'll put the links in the the show notes. And I have a 12-week program where it's like an intense program for women called The Marriage Saver. So if anyone wants to learn more about that, send me a message and I will gladly fill you in on all the details. 
I just want to ask you one more thing and I've got the kiddos in here. Hold on. Let me just ask one more question. Do you have any TikTok tips since I see you are such a TikTok pro or a Instagram reel tip? Okay. So my biggest tip for reels is scroll through your feed, like scroll through other people's reels. When you find one that you like, like the music you like, what I would do or the story you like, or the the commentary you like, go into it and save that audio. So save that audio, but I would even take it another step further. So save it, but then actually, because in that moment you have all this inspiration. So actually use it. Even if you're in your pajamas, use it and do a quick, like whatever it is you want to say, or just put the text in that you want and save it to your draft. So I don't know if you're following me on this, but in that moment when you're scrolling through, you really like, and you're like, I could see myself doing this, but I would often just save it. And then I forget about that inspiration. So what I do is I actually make a quick draft of it, even though I'll never use it, but then I can go back to my drafts and see what it was that I was thinking. And then I can create it again because I've already put some of the text in. I love that. That's really good. I'm so impressed by the content that you make. So I wanted to ask you that. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on the Better Call Daddy show. And I can't wait to hear what my dad has to say. I can't wait to hear his responses either. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. Uh, An interview with Beth Miller. She has been able to overcome some hardships and confidence issues and been able to overcome tremendous obstacles in one's life. Look at the theme. The theme is that if you can build confidence in yourself, if you get encouragement, and isn't this the advice to give to everyone, that if you work on yourself, love yourself, build confidence on the things that you do best, makes you more outgoing, makes you where you can face whatever is in front of you and whatever challenges are thrown your way, you have a better chance to overcome it if you believe you have what it takes. And, you know, it also reminds me a little bit of like that genetic engineering that I talked to you about. She wants to go back in time and find the vulnerable parts that people go through certain situations and she tries to fix it, take them back and do what someone should have done in encouraging her or where you fix it yourself, where you get over that flaw so that you can carry on and move forward. And wouldn't that be great if we could do that with sicknesses and ailments as well, where we could go back and fix whatever is wrong medically as well, so that we can also feel good about ourselves and feel like we're strong and that we can conquer anything. So certainly love that approach. She asked a very interesting question is if you're having maritable problems or you want good daddy advice. Didn't she feel better herself when she was playing field hockey? When you are involved in activities, it doesn't really matter what they are, whether it's in music or in sports or in extra uh, reading or being part of the debate team or the math team or the chess team or even working a little bit while you're going to school. The more activities that you're involved in, the more social contact that you're having and meeting all kinds of different people, doesn't that build confidence and make you more outgoing and make you feel better? Isn't that that natural high when you're working out? How many guests have you had on your show where people that want to mentally feel better also have to physically feel better as well? It goes hand in hand. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when she said, what's triggering you and why? And digging deeper into that. Right. That's it. People can go back and where they're having a mental block on something and can figure out how to solve the problem. I think that is very helpful. The other advice that I would give, as you know, that if you're having trouble, you have to be able to have that date night where one night a week guys go out and have a good time together. And if there's children involved, where there's one day a week where you do something with all your children together, I think that that's also a very important 
for your family and for your individual well-being with your partner is to be able to obviously be able to communicate with each other, but you have to be able to spend some quality time with each other and with your family because we constantly need that attention. All of us do. So if that becomes broken, why they say sometimes long distance relationships are very difficult because you need to participate with each other. And if you're busy on a lot of other projects and you don't spend time together or quality time together and communicate well together, that certainly can become a problem. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 